Welcome to the Werewolf Den, where we do a deep dive into the core concepts and principles behind White Wolf's Werewolf the Apocalypse. I'm Amelin. And I am Ryan. Welcome back. So, this time we're going to be diving well into the weeds as we look at the different bands that pack totems have within the setting. So this is one of those ideas that we honestly just kind of came up with on the fly, and we're going to be presenting it very much in that way. Mm-hmm. Bands are an excellent roleplay opportunity for players. But for some totem spirits. Exactly. I have been known in my games, and I'm pretty sure I recall Ryan doing the same thing in his, where we house rule certain bands because they're just are bad. Yeah. So the big question is then, what makes for a good ban? Well, we'll start by saying what makes for a bad ban. Well, no. no. I think pointing out the good bans is the best way to start because the book has some that are mm-hmm. perfectly good. The best one that always comes to my mind is Fenris. Fenris's ban, simple, efficient, right to the point. It's perfect. It's a pack must never turn down an opportunity for a fight. This does... Basically three things. An honorable fight, it says specifically. At least it does in W20. Must never pass up the opportunity for a fight. What does it say in W20? Fenris's children must never pass up the opportunity for a worthy fight. It's more specific. No. Well, I think there's room to wiggle on that one. Yeah. But the three things that I think this band does well is first off, it impacts roleplay. It impacts the way that the players approach solutions. And it is not something that it can be accomplished with downtime. Oh, yes. And it can't just be accomplished with downtime. These are the three things that this band does right. That uh, that a lot of other bands don't. And so, yeah, we'll point out the ones that do it right and don't need to be tweaked because they hit all of these points. But a lot of them completely miss some of these opportunities or just boring or kind of don't fit with the totem at times. And so we're going to talk about that, how to fix them. We'll spitball some ideas we have on the topics, things of that sort. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, some of these ideas are kind of completely off the cuff. So... Mm-hmm. Don't always take them completely to heart, but if you like what you hear, use it. Yeah. So, starting off then, as you said, with totems that do it right. You mentioned Fenris. Who else would you say does it right? Grandfather Thunder also does this in a very similar fashion, where it's you cannot give respect to those who haven't earned it, and you cannot show respect to those who have submitted to you. So, again, this fits very well within Grandfather Thunder's milieu. It's something that impacts roleplay. Clearly, that's the big one. And it also limits your options when it comes to finding solutions to problems. If there is some mealy little workaday NPC that is key to resolving a plot, if you approach it from this angle... Particularly like a weaselly one that Shadow Lords would happily deal with. (laughs) Yeah, then you can't show them respect. And maybe that's what they're looking for. Maybe they're, you know, so sick of having boots on their necks that they'll give that information away if someone would just be nice to them. But you can't do that. You can't. And so you have to find some other way to get this information or to appease this NPC. And so it closes windows without shutting doors and it impacts role play. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think it's a great... And again, not something that can be done with downtime. That said, there's another aspect that I feel like we really need to touch on when it comes to a good ban that falls in line with unicorn unicorn has a very good ban 
problem is, Unicorn shares that ban with so many others. Mm-hmm. And that makes the ban feel less unique and definitely lessens the impact yep. of having that ban. Unicorn's ban is suiting, it affects roleplay, and it's not something that can be accomplished with downtime. But Pegasus basically has this ban as well. Except it just applies to a smaller subset of the Wendigo spirit. Has this ban as well. Just applies to a smaller subset of individuals. Rat. Cockroach. They have this ban. Mm -hmm. Same thing. It's duh. So one of the things that we are definitely going to be approaching is taking all of these bans that are basically leeching off of Unicorn's good ban that Mm -hmm. makes sense for Unicorn. Yep. And telling them, get your own fucking ban. (laughs) (laughs) And that's something we wanted to do. We looked at a lot of these and we tried to think up other ways Mm -hmm. to provide a band that fits with the spirit and that doesn't just copy some other totem. One that we got really excited for, at least you got really excited for, I kind of liked it too, was rats. Yeah, well, this was your credit. I'll give credit where credit's due for all my fanboying. I didn't come up with this one. But Amelin's idea for... Well, first off, originally rat is do not harm vermin. (sighs) Okay, yeah, it's lazy. There's some ways you as a storyteller could interpret this. If you wanted to be like straight-based book, if you've got a bunch of eco-terrorists that want to blow up a Pentex building, there's vermin that infest that place. There Mm. are rats and cockroaches and spiders and flies. And if you just blow this building up and they're inside, then you violated the ban. So if you want to stick straight to the book, there are ways to work with this ban, but it still feels kind of lazy and like they didn't put any thought into it. Mm -hmm. We bounced around a lot of ideas. Amelance was the best. The idea that members must never operate alone. So I came up with this idea because very much when you read through Rat Through the Axis Mundi, when you read through Rat Through the Book of the Umbra, any supplement book, Rat is very big on being part of a swarm. The swarm is what matters. And so this ban works because if you go and do something alone, you are not utilizing the swarm. You are not utilizing rat's greatest strength. Numbers. And it's clearly a ban. Like, you can see how there are times where this is an advantage, right? Having a bunch of bodies in a fight? Yeah, better. But say you're gonna go and you're gonna have a social engagement with someone and uh you have someone in the pack who's well suited to this environment has a lot of etiquette and can fit in but you've also got that mealy lupus character that smells like a wet dog and they can take homage form but they're really awkward in it and they smell bad and it's just gonna ruin the whole setting you've got to bring that person along you can't leave them out you're limiting the power of the swarm or even things like if one member of the pack is going to participate in a uh, rank up challenge a rank up challenge right and they're in our runes, so they get asked to fight this other person you know we're being very boring with this challenge here don't just emulate us on that but you know they're like all right come on lads let's kick their ass and you have five people show up to help you in the fight the person that has to do the challenge is like wait a second hold on this is supposed to be a one-on-one fight brad says i fight with them let's go yeah storyteller says you lose honor but you know what it's still fun yeah it's something that hits all of the points that we talked about Mm -hmm. and is much better i think Mm -hmm. even little things like Scouting ahead, you get players all the time who have this mentality that everybody has to be completely and utterly unique. And this is something that I pretty regularly rail against. 
being unique is not something that you build on your sheet. It is something that you role play out. And it's again, it's one of those D&D things where mm-hmm. you have to be super good in your role and do your role and blah. But, but I understand having at least some unique properties. Somebody is better at scouting than the rest of everybody else in this particular case. Well, guess what? You can't go scouting alone now with this ban. You have to take someone with you. Mm-hmm. Which means there's another body, you're more likely to get spotted. Mm-hmm. But if you do get spotted, you've got that protection, right? Yeah. So it still fits with Rat's idea. It's not dumb for dumb's sake. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And again, not something that can be accomplished with downtime. I will keep on saying this. So many bands are bad because it's just, oh, downtime, I do this. Such as... Owl. Yes. Ugh. Owl is a perfect example of, I do this in downtime. I like Owl as a totem Mm -hmm. under the philosophical means. I love playing Owl under that. One of the games I'm running right now, I am running for Owl. And again, you guys listened to my Right of the Totem episode. I take the player's consideration into it, but I still actively choose to run as Owl. I hate Owl's ban. Owl's ban is stupid. It's essentially just uh, you got to go and you got to kidnap mice and you've got to tie them up, maybe sedate them, you know, make them helpless. They got to be helpless and then leave them in the woods for owls to eat. What? Like, even from an animalistic perspective, owls are very good predators. They don't need your help. Like, this is just a bad idea. Mm -hmm. It's bad. So the idea that we had was to instead... Any member of Owl's pack must avoid escapism. If the world is hard and you, you, you work sucked, the day was so stressful, you just want to go home and throw on a video game or pop on Netflix and just stream until you fall asleep. Nope. You can't just escape from reality. You've got to confront it. You've got to face the suffering that is inherent in this world to gird yourself against it. Al demands that you face and observe the suffering of this world. Al Al demands it of their silent striders. And as a pack for Al, Al will demand that of you. Yeah. And also, don't just restrict that to yourself. Extend that to the world around you. And so this makes a great ban because, okay, what are you doing to get willpower back for one? Mm -hmm. You can't just go on a bender Mm -mm. no how are you gonna relax and unwind and get some willpower back if you have kinfolk or allies or contacts more so kinfolk and allies people that you relate directly with right how does that impact your relationship with them how do your kinfolk think about you when you're not letting them engage in escapism when they can't go and play video games or gambling or whatever it is they do to unwind how does that impact your relationship with them and so again it fits within owl's idea right? That you are confronting the problems in the world, that suffering is a balm that is going to help you deal with the worm's machinations. But yeah, there's a double-edged sword to that as well. Mm -hmm. That too much of that can be harmful. Exactly. So yeah, way better than a boring, silly, not sensical thing that you do in your downtime. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moving on then from there, let's go back to a positive note. Let's say Falcon. Falcons is great. Mm -hmm. So Falcons relates to largely renown in that their members cannot bring dishonor upon themselves, which is cool. But obviously there are situations where that might come up and this ban continues to follow through there, where if you do lose honor for something, then you have to atone for that. And that can be severe. That can impact the way that other people think about you because... One of the examples the book gives is that you will go off on a suicide mission and die in order to restore your honor. 
obviously this is harsh and that'll spell the end of the character, right? So it's definitely a band that you will always have on your mind. How can you approach this situation and not incur an honor penalty? Impacts your roleplay, limits your options, not something you can do in downtime. Perfect, perfect, perfect. Mm-hmm. And here's the other big thing. You probably noticed with a couple of these that a lot of these are pretty harsh. Bands should be harsh. Mm-hmm. They should impact your roleplay. This is the biggest reason why I hate Black Unicorn. <laughs> it was gonna come. Black Unicorn exists for people to say that they follow Unicorn, but are actually following a war totem. Pick one. Yep. <sighs> but then speaking of which, what totem do I usually recommend to people that want to do Black Unicorn? Pegasus. But Pegasus's ban basically is just unicorns. And this is one of those cases where I get where the writers were going with this. So much of feminism is baked into Pegasus that it feels like a natural ban. It really does. But here's my big problem with it. Again, it has that whole emulation where it's a little too similar to unicorns, so it loses its impact. And it's also one of those bands that is way too easily poorly exploited by bad storytellers. Yeah. The base ban is you must always offer aid to females of any species, but especially young females. Mm-hmm. It's a very shallow understanding of the philosophy of Pegasus and is just catnip for bad storytellers. My alternative still falls in line with the whole feminist aspect. To be a Black Fury, you need to be willing to be an Avenger. That's a huge thing with that. They stand up and say that they are proud to be who they are. Rather, that is woman. Rather, that is non-binary. Rather, that is anything. Really, be proud of who you are and do not accept somebody trying to pin you down. That is core Black Fury. That is core Pegasus. You don't mount Pegasus. You don't ride Pegasus without Pegasus's fucking permission. So guess what? You are a follower of Pegasus. You do not submit to anybody who demands it of you. And this is, again, great roleplay. Because guess what Shadow Lords and Silver Fangs are going to demand of you? Mm -hmm. Do not submit. This is a good ban for Pegasus. And it's also something that we tried to, to do with other ones as well, where we're not necessarily looking at the, you know, the textbook writing and philosophy of these spirits, but we're looking at sort of the lore and how these creatures fit into the world and what they do and finding a band from that. And I think that's an interesting thing. I think our best example of this, the one I'm proudest of, is boar. With boar in the book, it's don't hunt pigs, don't hunt boars. So boring. So boring. Ah, bore. Um, without a laugh track, that just feels dumb. Thank you. But yeah, a couple days ago, we were watching a video that was talking about wild boars and how they would move into urban environments and territories and oftentimes die because of that. But they don't stick to their neck of the woods. They will go anywhere. They are fearless in that regard even if it leads to their demise. And so this makes really good sense as a boar 
span where you are not afraid to operate in foreign or unfamiliar territories. If you're a lupus who's really big on being in the woods, but you follow boar, you better get yourself into that city if, you, if that's where you need to be. If you're a glass walker who just wants to sit behind a computer all day, nah, you gotta go wherever you are called. Doesn't matter if you are completely out of your element. If this is probably gonna kill you, you still gotta do it because boar demands it. And this is something where players can really run into some issues because guess what? This can be something that if they completely follow through with this ban, the players can be caught violating the litany by yeah. not respecting someone else's territory. That bane, we chased it all the way across the lines. Why aren't you doing anything about it? Mm -hmm. We're here to do something about it. And wouldn't that just make for an awesome, like, legal discussion at the Sept? Where you're talking about the litany and you're like, no, this one's dumb. You know why? Because Boar says so. Catnip for Philodox! Yeah, that's so freaking cool. So that's our suggestion for Boar. Stag, we had a lot of fun with. Stag is another one that's just kind of leeching off of Unicorn in a sense, where it's you cannot harm fairies or their kin. First off... That's not very likely to come up, if at all, if your storyteller doesn't incorporate it. And so we wanted something that played more with Stag's idea of the hunter. But not the reckless hunter that overhunts, because again, Stag is the embodiment of the ultimate prey. This is something where if you make a mistake in hunting Stag, Stag will destroy you. One of the key things to always remember when it comes to actual wolves in the wild, you know how you fuck up their hunting style? By standing your ground, wolves cannot engage in the hunt if their prey does not run from them. And guess what Stag does? Stag stands his ground and says, come at me, bro. <laughs> And will be able to hurt and kill wolves in the fight. Might die himself, but he's not going out without getting a point in himself. And so we were thinking about ideas that sort of play on this. Because something that I always see happen as a player and as a storyteller happened in your Oregon game. Where a bunch of us just showed up out of nowhere into this new sept area. And all the lupus in the pack were like, oh, we'll just go hunting for rabbits. It'll be fine. And I'm thinking to myself, if a bunch of Garu just show up out of nowhere and start hunting, they're going to demolish the prey population in this area. There's no balanced ecosystem here. Stag could be an awesome representative of that. And so utilizing the role of the hunter as one who maintains balance within the ecosystem, not only keeping the prey from getting too numerous, but also making sure that those prey populations don't decline and diminish. And so I think this is a lot of fun, especially for a lupus player who's diving headfirst into being a wolf and not having a very well-rounded approach to Gaia and an ecosystem at large, to basically say, no, we're going to manage these prey populations and we're going to find all of these, like, especially in a LARP setting, we're going to find all of these people who took the flaw of strict carnivore and just think they can hunt willy-nilly and that nothing bad will come of this because it's the natural way and there will be consequences for that behavior. Yes. Be the stag that gores the wolf by standing its ground. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, something in that line, I think, is something we had a lot of fun with. Bear. I love bear. So bear does not have a ban. 
And Bear is the only circumstance where this is remotely acceptable. Because Bear is looked down on in Garu society. Because of the Wars of Rage and other things, Bear is viewed as an inferior spirit. And so any pack that takes Bear is faced with this. You are now second class citizens because you have aligned with this spirit. And Bear is wise. Bear understands what this has brought to those who would follow him. And so Bear does not impose a ban, because Bear's aware of what they're already facing in terms of following him. There are other totem spirits that don't enforce a ban, and I don't like them. Like, Coyote doesn't issue a ban, because he wouldn't hold his children back that way, the books say. Coyote's a cool laid-back totem spirit. Coyote doesn't want to hold you back, he's a rad guy. But Bear's a piece of crap who's going, I'm sorry you follow me, I would not, I don't want to do anything more to hurt you. Ah! Don't do that to Bear! Ah! Bear is fine. Bear should not be touched. Love Bear. Coyote? Ugh. I've got an idea for you, Coyote. Coyote needs a ban because Coyote is a cocky trickster. And so within the books, it states that other packs will just assume that when something goes wrong, it's the pack that follows Coyote that's to blame for it. So give Coyote a ban. That ban... Own it! Don't deflect the blame. When others blame you... Yep. Yep, that's my fault. And then deal with that how you may. If you want to be cocky and be like, what are you going to do about it? Do that. If you want to try and weasel your way out of it or maybe put on a really pitiable, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it was a huge mistake, you know, and play that up to get people to take pity on you, do that. But own it. Just own it. Don't deflect that responsibility. Take it, because Coyote's the trickster and he understands that's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> Better. Don't just be some chill dude, Coyote. Oh, it makes me so mad. Love Bear. Bear's great. <laughs> Griffin got some ideas on Griffin. So Griffin's ban is that you can't associate with humans. <laughs> yeah, there's a good ban. But... I would like to see something that opens up the door for Hamid characters to maybe consider having Griffin as a totem spirit. Because Griffin is more than just angry at humans. Griffin is this incredible hunter, more so than Stag, right? Really embodies that sense. But Griffin is also aware of all of the species that have died and gone extinct. And humans aren't the only ones to blame for this. Invasive species are a thing that exists. Humans should be looked at by Griffin's point of view, not in the human way of humans are responsible, but in the natural world sort of way of humans are a very terrible invasive species. So Griffin should have a hate for all sorts of beings that fit within that category. Griffin wants that balance restored so that species that shouldn't have been lost don't end up that way because of invasive species like humans. Mm -hmm. And so something that sort of opens the door for a Hamid character who's an environmental scientist who studies the balance and breakage of ecosystems and works to carry out Griffin's will in this regard is awesome and super cool. And it shouldn't just be Red Talon packs that take Griffin as a pack totem because as it's written, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would love the idea of Griffin to be sort of opened up in this regard. 
And not even just invasive species, but an understanding of cataclysms and events that cause species to become extinct in the first place. Maybe Griffin has a regard for species that aren't the fittest for their environment. Not because of any fault of their own, but because their environment changed. And so, something along these lines I think would be really, really cool. Again, opening up the idea that Pax will take Griffin as a totem, and consider Griffin as a totem, and not just be like, well, we're not all Red Talons, so guess we're looking elsewhere. Harsh bans are good. Bans that keep players from even considering taking them? What's the point? Yeah. Next in the list is the Wendigo Spirit. So, within the books, the Wendigo Spirit's ban is very much in Younger Brothers vein, where it is you must always look out for and protect indigenous peoples. Again, definitely mirrored with unicorns here. So we were thinking of how the Wendigo Spirits ban could be different. And my idea, as I was kind of thinking about the region where the Wendigo Spirit is from, where you're in the northern reaches of North America and you've got Canada, who's often viewed as this like friendly, peaceful place. Canadians are super nice, they don't do anything wrong, but they've committed huge atrocities against indigenous populations as well. And so my idea for the Wendigo Spirits ban was something along the lines of never trusting a friendly face. This is certainly a limit, right? Perhaps there is a character who's genuinely looking to help and wants to drop a plot hook or some aid to the pack, but they can't accept it. Because again, Canada's a friendly face and they've committed huge atrocities. And so I was thinking of something along those lines, just spitballing here. Next up, we've got Chimera. Chimera's ban in the books is that you must always be seeking enlightenment, so, whatever form that takes. So with this particular one, we come across another problem that we very frequently have with a lot of these bans, which is more or less just the ban just encourages players to play the game. Mm-hmm. And that's very much what this one comes across at. The way that this one is worded more or less says, Play your character, but say you're seeking enlightenment. Yep. That's really what it comes down to. Be a blood-drenched Arun, but within the throes of battle, you are finding enlightenment. Zen Buddhism something something. Yes. Uh. The lazy ideas like that. Our lazy alternative idea was that packs that follow Chimera cannot act on impulse. You mm. always have to think something through. And this clearly has a downside, right? There are going to be times where it's like, roll initiative. Oh, wait. We can't act impulsively. We have to, like figure out what's going on and think of a plan, but there are bullets flying at us. Now's not a time for navel gazing. So it's certainly a ban. You can use it as such. But I think it fits more within the idea and actually does offer some restriction to a pack. Mm -hmm. It's one of those things where this one's a little bit harder because as we mentioned in our Stargazer episode, that tribe just completely needs to be redone. Yeah. So it's a little bit harder to do that one since we didn't really give you a concrete idea of what it means to be a stargazer. So it's a little hard <laughs> to give you a concrete idea of what it means to be Chimera. In our defense, the books didn't either. Mm-hmm. Cockroach. <sighs> so I got kind of huffy in one of Amelin's games because we have a bunch of lupus and one of them said no to cockroach because lupus don't use computers. <laughs> no! No! That's not what Cockroach is! Cockroach's adaptability! And so, there's a lot we can do with this. Cockroach's ban is don't kill cockroaches. Of course. Oh. Yep. I've seen that one a thousand times already. Let's do better. Cockroach is an embodiment of efficiency and modernity and adaptability. And so, packs that follow Cockroach must always seek out the most efficient 
efficient solution and carry that out without empowering the worm. Mm-hmm. So this clearly restricts their options when it comes to a problem, right? And oftentimes the most efficient thing isn't necessarily the best, especially if you're trying to dodge the worm. If you want a blanket, yeah, the most efficient way to do that is to buy it online and have it delivered to your house. Amazon provides. Yeah. Amazon is so Pentex. <laughs> Amazon is very cockroachy, but also very Pentexy, right? So we can't just give money to the worm. We've actually got to think about this. And maybe we find an independent producer who knits and sews blankets herself and ships them out and they're 10 to 20 times more expensive than... Amazon. So we're paying a lot of money. We've done some work and hey, maybe this NPC can actually turn out to be a significant person or an ally or maybe they're a kinfolk. Who knows? The storyteller can work a lot with that. Mm -hmm. But it's something that I think works really well. And maybe when you have your lupus players that are looking through different totem spirits, they'll see that and they'll think about it a little bit better. Hopefully. Mm -hmm. I mean, hopefully Hopefully. they're listening and just, you can take Cockroach and not know how to use a computer. Cockroach would just like you to not sit in your box and learn to use a computer because it's efficient. End rant. Next up, we have the Uctena spirit. And this is one that, as we were kind of thinking about it, it very much fell into that, this is just you playing the game. game. Yep, it is very much one of those spirits. Always seek out mystical lore and and magic. magic. That's you playing the game. Yeah, if you drop a big fetish plot hook, players are going to pursue it because it's Mm -hmm. a fetish. Yeah, if you drop a giant mystery, most players are going to pursue it. Mm -hmm. That's just you playing the game. Yeah. Here's how we beef it up. Make it so that if the players come across something that is worm-tainted, whether it's a right, whether it's a fetish, whatever it is, they can't destroy it because it could be useful. It could be repurposed. It could be purified. Whatever the reason you want to justify it with, you can't just destroy something just because it's worm-tainted. And this extends to both objects and ideas. Mm -hmm. If you've uncovered a worm ritual, well, you should probably study that. Mm -hmm. And that has serious consequences, right? Both spiritually and also socially. Because other tri or other packs are going to see you doing this. And that's going to raise some eyebrows, right? So something along those lines is what we were considering. Let's see. Uh, Cuckoo. I like Cuckoo. Cuckoo's Uh, great. mm -hmm. Yeah. Cuckoo Cuckoo has a cool boon, and Cuckoo's ban is that a pack must never pass up an opportunity to strengthen themselves, even if it's at the cost of other packs. Particularly if it's at the cost of other packs. Dear God, there's so much good roleplay involved with this. It's a perfect conflict generator. Yes, more packs should really take Cuckoo. It kind of flabbergasts me that they don't. (laughs) And the boon is good enough that even the power gamers will be interested in it. Mm -hmm. So yeah, Cuckoo's great. Got no problem with Cuckoo. Raven, kind of, sort of, depending on your edition. In older editions, Raven's ban, well, Raven's ban throughout has been that you must never carry wealth on your person, always relying on Raven's luck to provide for you. This is a good ban if the boon is like it is in 20th. If you're running off of an older edition, please consider revising the boon. Yeah, because the boon in older editions is just that you find money wherever you go. You don't need to 
carry money on you because you'll just find a $10 bill outside of the McDonald's and can buy your lunch with that. It and basically if you need to get just... into that nightclub, you'll just find a 20 floating around and that'll cover your, your entrance charge. Just ugh. It basically just gets rid of the ban for you. Basically. And... You can't have a car. Oh, well. Ugh. Yeah. With the 20th anniversary edition, Boone, it's great. Because then it turns into, oh, shoot, I don't have the money to get into that cover charge with that club, like you mentioned. Well, oh, somebody left a key card lying on the ground and they must have dropped it. I'm going to sneak into the back. Now you got something because now you have risk because you're sneaking into this club. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Raven provided. Yep. So there's a consequence to it and it works and I like it. And yeah, just not carrying wealth when you're not a constant wealth generator has its consequences. Mm -hmm. Are you not a bonar? <laughs> Boy, good luck. Uh, Fox. Fox is our next one. Fox's original ban is terrible. Do you not live... participate in fox hunts. Do you live outside of England? Then this will never come up. <laughs> oh, God. So as we were thinking about this with Fox, Fox is another one of those tricksters. A lot of the tricksters have a serious amount of overlap. But one of the things that makes Fox unique is Fox's place within the chain of predator and prey. He's not at the top of the food chain, certainly not at the bottom, but squarely in the middle. Fox can kill a lot of things, and a lot of things can kill a fox. And so this makes for a very interesting ban if you want to play around with that. Where if you're a pack that follows Fox, you cannot rely on brute force. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're Garu, you're top of the food chain, big whoop. Be better than that. Be like me. Be smarter. Yeah. Be more effective. Be a trickster. That's what it means to be fox. You can't just brute way your way through something. Oh, there's a gateway in front of it? Get a Fenris or like, come on, come on, let's just bust it down. Let's bust it down. No, you need to find a way in. You need to sneak in. You need to find an alternate entrance. You need to convince somebody to let you in. Whatever it is, you can't use brute force to get by. This is going to be great to inflict on our runes. <laughs> But yeah, it's something where certainly you might need to use your strength at some point, but yeah, you got to find a way around that, find an alternative to it. I really like that. So yeah, this was just us kind of spitballing different pack totems and their various good, bad, and terribly ugly bands. Mm -hmm. uh, I hope this was at least somewhat interesting and helpful, and I hope that as players, a lot of people will sort of look at these and consider, all right, how does this make this totem more appealing as a pack totem something i'd be more willing to consider mm -hmm. because i think that should be the case across the board none of these are worm spirits uh, you know i had mentioned in the previous episode how i was playing a bonar in one of amelin's games and the nay vote that i cast was for owl because that ban is just atrocious there's no way i'd do that and yeah, a but ban shouldn't be that sort of thing it shouldn't be something that is anathema to another person and it's one of those things, too, where the sad fact of the matter is, using Ryan's Bonar character in my Scotland game as an example, Al would like Ryan's character. Ryan's character would fit very much within Al's philosophy and milieu. Ryan's character is very much considerate of suffering. Ryan's character is very much willing to turn and face and not escape from that which causes pain. Al loves Ryan's character. Flat out loves Ryan's character. I have a couple of 
owl brood spirits that follow Ryan's character around. I should probably increase my alertness because you haven't said that to me. Well, close enough. (laughs) (laughs) But you get what I'm saying. They hang out in your favorite area. They Mm -hmm. follow you around in that area. But this band is a stupid downtime action. Yeah. That is really just feels like something that was come up with off the cuff of somebody who's desperately trying to meet a deadline. Mm-hmm. And I would not be surprised if that was the actual story that somebody was had to come up with. And before you all complain in the comments, yes, we know there is an issue in the awful, awful Silent Strider history about how the Bonars didn't come to their rescue when they were trying to fight the followers of oh. Set. And I don't care. It's our, still our, bad and our dumb. Sil- our, our Silent Strider episode should tell you all of our opinion of everything regarding that history. I erase your canon and substitute my own. Mm-hmm. History and ban. <laughs> <laughs> so, with that, I think, even if we haven't covered all of them, I don't know if we have. Dear God. We covered most of them. Yeah, we're just spitballing. Plus, this is getting on pretty long. So, so we'll if there's a totem you want us to analyze, throw it in the comments. And- mm-hmm. Maybe we'll... Do a part two of this, or maybe we'll do a QA and a again. We'll throw in another one of our high and mighty Q&A episodes. <laughs> All right, but I think that covers it. Hope you enjoyed this. See you next time. Bye. Welcome to the Pentax Break Room. Please be aware that Gaians do not have a monopoly on bad bands for their spirits. Don't kill birds? Go Whippoorwill! How about the very innovative Don't Kill Bats? But also, sleep upside down! Thanks, Bat! If you're a storyteller, feel free to inflict your BSD players with severe negative penalties for getting no sleep and getting blood-rushed brains throughout the night. Super well-rested they are. Name this spirit. Its ban is never flee from battle. Is it Fenris? No. It's great. Well, yes, but it's also Green Dragon because we're really creative here at Pentex. Have a good day.